Hi friends, welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremy McCandless. You're very welcome as we journey together through the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. If this is the first time you've joined us, can I recommend that you make the Bible and the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of your daily lives. Maybe go back to the start and play catch up for a few months and then join us on this five-year plan to work through the whole Bible together. Okay friends, here we are. We're beginning a new chapter today, Genesis chapter 43 where we're seeing the second journey of the brothers back into Egypt, or potentially, that's what they're discussing anyway, on this, hopefully, what will turn out to be a path of reconciliation. And we're going to spend, I think, two days looking at this chapter. But before we just launch out on the text itself, I'd like to begin by asking you the question, have you ever fallen out with somebody? Have you ever been in a situation where you needed to be reconciled with somebody? Now, I have known of some simple cases where that's happened and they were fairly easy to resolve. An argument one day was solved by openness and the willingness to reconcile the next day. So sometimes these things can be easily resolved, particularly if you're open and willing to do it. And the sooner you do it, the better. But I've known some very difficult cases of breakdown in relationships between people. I knew one uh, so many years ago where there were two brothers who were getting along fine, working together in the family business until the father died. And then both those brothers felt that they should be the one who ran the family business. Now, I'm not sure of all the details, but there was definitely a massive falling out. And the alienation between them lasted for years and years and years. In fact, uh, I left Ireland where the situation played out in front of me. 35 years ago and I still believe it's not reconciled to this day. I've also known the other side of the coin so to speak where people had a conflict with each other and they didn't resolve it for many years but they finally did but only when someone that they both loved died. It was only when they appeared together at the same funeral that they finally sat down and sorted it out. And sad that it took the death of somebody in the family that they both loved to bring them back together. Now, in these kinds of situations, I think it's especially difficult. What I mean by that is in family situations, it can be very difficult to bring about reconciliation. So what I'm considering today, looking at this chapter, what things need to be in place, what attitudes, characteristics need to be present for the situations like that to be resolved? Or to ask the same question another way, what virtues should people involved in a breakdown like that have in order for them to go from row to reconciliation? Now, if you're a fully grown adult, you're still breathing, I suspect you've probably had one or two fallings out in your life and you're probably going to have some more before you die. But I think that this chapter tells us the kind of things we need to know if we want to live a peaceful, powerful Christian life. And by applying what we can learn from this chapter into our life, we can not only head off conflict before it comes, but we can resolve it quickly when it does. 
These are the type of things we want to take on board if we genuinely want to live the Christian life and live in peace and be peacemakers. So here in the Old Testament, we have the story that's been playing out before us for quite a few chapters now of the falling out between 11 brothers and one brother. And of course, it's the story of Joseph. And we've been studying it together for quite a few weeks now. We're going to spend two days in this chapter and look at what I hope is the beginning of this reconciliation between Joseph and his brothers, a situation that has actually been played out over the drama of over 20 years. To recap quickly, you'll remember Joseph's 11 brothers sold him into slavery and he got hauled off into Egypt where he eventually landed in prison. Yet in the amazing providence of God through a series of circumstances, amazing circumstances, he ends up being prime minister of Egypt. He's actually in charge of the administration of the entire land. Now, there is a famine in the land, and that famine has covered the whole region. So Joseph's 11 brothers get to the stage where they are, the whole family back in Canaan is starving, and they need somehow to get find or get some food. So they're aware of what's happened in Egypt with the, the storing of grain. So they're commanded by their father that they should go down together to Egypt and try and buy some food. Now, their father, Jacob, initially wasn't willing to let all 11 of them go on their first journey to Egypt. Jacob said only 10 of them should go initially. So off those 10 go to Egypt, leaving Benjamin behind in Canaan with his father. Now, this is quite amazing. It's 20 years since these same guys had sold their brothers into slavery, despite the protestations of Benjamin. And after an amazing set of events that we've covered over these last few chapters, here he is in charge of the administration of the agricultural famine program and virtually as prime minister in Egypt. Only Pharaoh is above him. And this same guy, Joseph, is the brother that they pretty much assumed was dead. They certainly wouldn't have expected him to be prime minister or vice president, if you like, in charge of the land. And remember, he was probably dressed in Egyptian clothes and he spoke through an interpreter. And no doubt physically he would have changed a lot in 20 years because he was a young teenager when they sold him into slavery. So it's reasonable that they didn't recognise him. But the text tells us that he definitely recognised them. Now his motive has been revealed not to be revenge but to be reconciliation but there's a lot of water that's gone under the bridge so there's a lot of things that need to be addressed. A lot of things have happened yet Joseph in spite of all the gross injustices that he's experienced in his life he appears to be most concerned about his father and his brother. Is his father still alive even and what about his other brother? Now, I said that Jacob allowed 10 of them to go to Egypt, but Joseph then keeps one back, a guy called Simeon, and he says he wants to know about the other brother that they said, using this idea that he wants them to prove that what they're saying is truthful. In a sense, he's sort of manipulating the situation so that Benjamin as well will have to come into Egypt. 
So he says, I'll tell you what, to check you're telling the truth, I'm going to keep one of your brothers here, that's Simeon, and you're all to go back and now bring Benjamin back here. And when you're all here together, I'll turn loose the other brother. I'm going to keep Simeon, but he wanted to make sure, of course, by doing this, he would not only see Benjamin, but he would see that he was okay. So that was the situation, and the ten brothers have gone back to the promised land. They've shown the father the food that was given to them by the Egyptians, and they say to the father, oh, by the way, we've left a brother behind. One of us is still in Egypt, they say, and we need to go back now with Benjamin. But Jacob understandably says, no way, you're not going back. He refuses to let them go. In his mind, he's already lost potentially two sons. He lost Joseph 21 years ago, and now he's lost Simeon, who's held back in Egypt. He doesn't want to risk by losing another son. Simeon's stuck down in Egypt with Joseph. He doesn't know it's Joseph, and he's thinking, if I take Benjamin, allowed Benjamin to go back there, I could lose him too. So initially, he doesn't allow them to go. And then, of course, if that was to stay the case, then there could be no reconciliation. But time has seemed to fast, and that brings us to verse 1, where it says, Now the famine was still severe in the land, so when they had eaten all the grain they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, Go back and buy us a little more food. Okay, here we are. This is introducing the next episode in this long story of Joseph and his potential reconciliation with the rest of his family. The next episode in the story naturally falls into three parts. In the first 15 verses of this chapter, the brothers are going to have a conversation with their father. Then the next part, beginning in verse 16, going through to verse 25, there's another conversation, and that is between the brothers and the steward in Joseph's house. And in the final close of the chapter will be the conversation that they have themselves directly with Joseph. So there are three different conversations recorded for us one after another in the progression of this chapter. And these conversations reveal things about these ten brothers that are really critical in showing whether or not they're really ready to be reconciled after a period of alienation. So the story opens up with the fact that there is still famine in the land and it's been going on for years. Only verse 1 uses this phrase and says the famine is now severe. Now the Hebrew word translated severe, Bible language experts say, some say it would be better translated as very oppressive. That didn't mean they not only didn't have the means to grow food anymore, that on top of that there was not enough rain to produce crops at all. And what food they had brought back from Egypt, it appeared, obviously it wouldn't have lasted forever. So they've run out of food again. And this forces Jacob to face the situation. So he says to his sons, go back to Egypt and buy more food. But can you see the problem here? Remember what Joseph had said. You can't come back unless you bring me Benjamin back. And Jacob is saying, there's no way Benjamin's going to Egypt. And that's the problem. And that's the conversation that's recorded here about how they're going to deal with it, deal with this impasse. And it's the first of these three discussions recorded in this chapter. So let's continue. 
Verse 3, But Judas said to them, The man warned us solemnly, You will not see my face again until your brother is with you. So Judas steps up, so to speak. He becomes the spokesman for the brothers, and he says, Father, I must remind you that the man in charge who is holding Simeon down in Egypt, he said to us, Don't you dare come back unless you bring your brother Benjamin with you. We can't possibly go back to Egypt without Benjamin, he says. The text continues, If you will send our brother along with us, we will go down and buy food for you. But if you will not send him, we will not go down, because the man said to us, You will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. So Judah is trying to press the point that they can't go back. He'll kill us if they go back without Benjamin. And that's the point here. Verse 6. Israel asked, Why did you bring this trouble on me by telling the man you had another brother? Now I notice it says Israel asked. Do you remember who Israel? Remember Jacob had his name changed to Israel. I'm sure you remember that. It happened about 10 chapters back. Now I've since then, probably confusing for some, as I've referred to him as both Jacob and Israel several times since. But it's worth noting he hasn't actually been called Israel in the text since way back in chapter 37. So by calling and using the name Israel, Bible experts say that the fact that they are using that name of Israel within the family context seems to indicate that the family have reached a point where they're using the name God has given him. So maybe he and they are beginning to trust the Lord a bit more in the situations and the circumstances they face. Anyway, he's saying, look, Israel's saying to the sons, look, it's your fault because you're the one who told him you had another brother. If you hadn't told him that, he wouldn't have even known. Verse 7. They replied, the man questioned us closely about ourselves and our family. Is your father living, he asked. Do you have another brother? We simply answered his questions. How were we to know, he would say, bring your brother down here? So they, their reply is, collectively, the man questioned us closely about ourselves and our family. They asked us to whether you were alive, and they asked us if we had any more brothers. We, they say, simply answered his question. How did we know that he would then say, bring your brother down here? Now notice importantly that this verse opens with them saying, they replied. I don't know if you picked up on that. Did you notice that? Judah singularly spoke in verse 3. And in verse 4 and 5, the father answers Judah. But then in verse 6, the conversation between them continues. But here, in verse 7, all the brothers chime in. So this is no longer just Judah speaking. It's all the brothers, except, of course, for Joseph and Simeon, who are down in Egypt. And these remaining brothers are saying, Father, look, the man asked us pointedly about ourselves and our family. Saying things like, is your dad still alive? Do you have any other brothers? Testing to see if everything we said was true. And we decided it was best. And we told him the truth. How could we have possibly known the consequences of that? We didn't just volunteer the information willy-nilly there, saying he particularly asked us if we had another brother. What are we supposed to do? Lie? Because then he would have thought we were liars. We simply answered his questions, they said. And furthermore, we had no inkling that he was going to hold on to Simeon and keep him. 
and use him in order for us to bring down Benjamin to prove our stories, our, our account was true. So it wasn't our fault, they're saying. The simple reality is he asked us a question and all we did was answer. Okay, text continues. Then Judas said to Israel, his father, send the boy along with me, that's referring to Benjamin, and we will go at once so that we and you and our children may live and not die. I myself will guarantee his safety. You can hold me personally responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, I will bear the blame before you all my life. As it is, if we had not delayed, we all could have gone down and returned twice. So Judah's applying the pressure here. He says we could have been there and back by now. And he's trying to persuade his father. But it's really quite interesting the tack he takes, the course he takes in doing this and what he says. He says, look, if we don't go, quite simply, we're all going to die. You will die. I will die. We'll all die. Even potentially the little ones, our grandchildren are going to die if we don't get the food. Then he says, look, I'll guarantee this and how it will happen. I'll be responsible. If I don't bring Benjamin back, you can hold me responsible. By you insisting that we don't take Benjamin, if you keep sticking to that, it's going to be the death of us all. Let's pick up the text in verse 11. Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be, then do this. Put some of the best products of the land in your bags and take them down to the man as a gift. A little balm, a little honey, some spices and some myrrh, some pasticcio nuts and almonds. Take double the amount of silver with you, for you must return the silver that was put back into the mouths of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother also and go back to the man at once. And may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man, so that he will let your brother and Benjamin come back with you. As for me, if I'm bereaved, I'm bereaved. So the men took the gifts, that's the brothers, and doubled the amount of silver, and Benjamin also, and they hurried down to Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. So Israel, it seems, has finally got with the program. He's got the point, and the point being... He has no choice. So he says, all right, you can go, but take gifts. The gifts are then listed for us. And oh yeah, he says, take double the money. Now, if you recall the story that we looked at in the last chapter, when they left Egypt the first time, Joseph had their money secretly put back in their saddlebags, mixed in the grain. So they didn't know that they'd come back with their money until they got all the way back to Egypt and opened the sacks. And there they discovered that the original money that was meant to be used for purchasing the grain had been returned to them. And they were really, really scared and nervous about what that might mean. They were afraid that they were going to be blamed for stealing the grain and not paying for it. So Joseph says, look, take double the money back. The point being, return the money that came back with you and have enough with you to pay for a second lot. So Israel, he's finally conceded that they should go and he says the very thing in verse 14 when he says, May God Almighty give you mercy. So in a sense, he's leaning hard on God's mercy and he's praying that God will be in the outcome. 
We need God's mercy before this man, he says, that he may release your other brothers, Simeon and Benjamin. And then he says, and this is an interesting illustration in a sense of prayer, because in essence he's pleading for God's mercy in the situation. On one hand he's pleading for God's mercy, but on the other hand he's accepting beforehand, before they even set out, the reality of how things might turn out differently to how he hopes. So he said, look Lord, I'm coming before you, I'm going to plead mercy, I'm going to pray, but you know what Lord, if you aren't merciful and it doesn't pan out how I expect and I don't get Simeon and Benjamin back, I'll just have to accept that. In fact, he even suggests that he himself may not survive these events. You see, for me, sometimes in life, I believe you can go to the Lord and say, I'm pleading for your mercy, pleading, Lord, for you to intervene in this situation. And we all do that and we all should do that. But you've also sometimes got to say, Lord, you know, if you don't give me what I think I want, I'm still going to praise you anyway. You see, sometimes there's other people, actions are dependent on the outcomes that happen in our lives. All around us are surrounded by other people, some of who know the Lord and some who don't. And believers are unbelievers. People are still sinners and they do really wicked stuff. That's just the reality of the world we live in. And sometimes we've got to face the reality. God has allowed other people to live in free will, to reject God's prompting, not only in their lives, but in their actions. Which sometimes means that when the answers to our prayers depend upon other people listening and responding to God's prompting in what they should do, that will mean by nature that sometimes things do not work out the way we would hope. And I believe in a sense that's what's going on here, or that is the potential that Israel, uh, Jacob, has now seen to how this might play out. He's come around by looking face on at the reality of the situation, and he understands, you know, things may not go the way I hope. And if things don't go that way, the whole family, their circumstances could be affected. But he also says, you know what? If I don't take some action and I don't step out and trust the Lord, we're all going to starve to death anyway. So they're all, in a sense, now looking at the new normal, the new reality of the situation they are facing. And furthermore, they're accepting that the decision needs to be made and have peace of mind in the responsibility of making that decision, no matter what happens. Even Judah, it appears, at a level is accepting responsibility for bringing Benjamin back. And Jacob is accepting the responsibility by saying, no matter what happens, I'll just accept whatever the outcome is. And these, I think, are the characteristics, the openness that we need to have when approaching a problem, particularly one about a difficult breakdown in a relationship. Because if there's going to be a genuine reconciliation between estranged people there needs to be an honesty in how we approach this, a willingness to look at the reality of the situation and the circumstances and how it's played out. And there needs, if appropriate, to be some sort of acceptance of our responsibility in that breakdown. 
They are looking at the truth of the situation and they're looking at it square in the face. And sometimes we need to do the same things. Anyway, that's the end of the first conversation recorded for us in this chapter, after which we see they all head down to Egypt and they present themselves to Joseph. We shall find out what happens next in the next episode. Okay, friends, that's it for today. Thank you for joining me. A quick reminder is there's always a transcript of everything I've said available in the episode notes of any audio version of the podcast. It doesn't matter which provider you're using to where you get your podcasts from, you'll find an audio version there. There's also links there where you can connect to other uh, other places, uh, other expressions of my ministry, uh, Facebook page, uh, YouTube channel, things like that, even a Patreon page. But you know what? I'm so, so grateful that you've decided to come with us on this journey together through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Made the decision to make the study of the Bible the rhythm of your daily life. I'm benefiting so much from it, and I hope you are too. If I recommend if you want to make sure you don't miss a single episode, then click on a subscribe button on wherever you're getting your podcasts from. And a favour I would ask is if you feel that this is helping you, allow it give the opportunity for it to help others by liking it sharing it or even reviewing it uh, on on whatever social media channels you happen to exist on and you know what i really really appreciate each and every one of you not just watching it but those of you who are praying for this ministry as well so thank you again thank you so much and you know what let's get back together again tomorrow well it'll be tomorrow for me but whatever day it happens to be for you i'd love to see you right back here again on the bible project daily podcast bye-bye for now